when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we look ahead to some of the events, at least, that will move markets and possibly cause ripples. I'm Robert Miller. That means checking out one of the biggest players in the global commodity markets, finding out why the legal eagles and bean counters are under the spotlight, or is it the kosh? And finally, we'll check out what this... Do you think we're going to cry because we didn't qualify? Forget it. Scotland! with shareholder value. I'm joined by Marcus LaRue, industrial correspondent of The Times, Harry Wilson, our city editor, and Dominic Walsh, leisure correspondent of The Times. Thanks for all being here. Welcome. Marcus, let's start with you, the world's biggest or one of the biggest players. It's got a finger in every pie, hasn't it? We're going to be hearing some updated figures from them. Have they just got too big now? Well, that's certainly not what Ivan Glazenberg, the chief executive and second largest shareholder, thinks, whereas some other rivals like Mark Kudafani at Anglo-American and Andrew McKenzie at BHP have been trying to, to slim down their gargantuan uh, organisations and to focus on, on fewer commodities in, in fewer countries just to, to keep their operations simpler. Glazenberg's really been trying to cut debt rather than by, by scything off parts of the business wholesale. He's been selling a minority stake here or mortgaging off some of the future gold sales, that the gold royalties there. Um, he, he's still keen to keep the Glencore model, which is slightly different from the other mining groups in that it has a big mining production industrial arm on one hand, but it also has a, a huge um, trading uh, marketing business so it, it not only digs the stuff up out of the ground it also processes it puts it on a ship um, and delivers it to the, the the factory gate or the or the refinery and that model uh, is one that Glazenberg has been uh, has, has has been adamant about about protecting even in the, the maelstrom that they find themselves in this time a year ago what I'm interested here in, in a way is the personalities because he is a larger than life character in terms of a lot of his the, the, some of the chief executives you mentioned and indeed in the in, in the wider FTSE 100 how long do you think he can appear to be the dominant force and driving his vision as opposed to what the shareholders are going to say look we just don't like your style anymore his his copy book is almost certainly 
blotted because this time a year ago he stood up at, at their interim results last summer and said net debt's a bit high at $30 billion um, we'll get it down to you know something appropriate like 28 he went on a roadshow to investors and the investors told him no you won't Ivan you'll get it down to something like 15, 20 and he went away and pretty much came up with a plan to do exactly exactly that the really interesting thing is that actually it turned out that Ivan Glazenberg is always lauded as, a, as, as an expert commodities trader with, a, with an eye for how markets are going it turned out that his shareholders were right to um, to deploy belt and braces and to make sure that that they were prepared for Armageddon because while prices didn't exactly get to Armageddon in um, in late uh, late 2015 early um, and earlier this year they weren't far off it. Ivan has, has said you know privately that that copper for example couldn't cloud cuckoo land that it could get below four thousand uh, dollars a ton. And it was certainly well south of 4,500. I don't think he, he ever envisaged that as a possibility when he was blithely telling shareholders uh, a year ago that they didn't, need to, they didn't need to cut debts. I mean, for, for, for me, one of the interesting things watching Glencore and a lot of the commodity traders uh, since the financial crisis has been the way that the large international banks have pulled out of century of commodities trading and particularly commodities financing. So when you think about it in the past, Glencore and these guys could rely on a steady source of funding from, from the, the banking sector. That's really been curtailed since the, the crisis with new capital regulations, which make it far more expensive for them to um, lend money to commodities traders like Glencore, which has essentially meant that Glencore and its like have had to become financing uh, companies themselves. And, they, and then, you know, as, as Marcus was, was saying, you know, they become a lot bigger companies partly because the banks have pulled out of their sector, forcing them to step into areas where they weren't necessarily w- wanted to go or where they're particularly comfortable. And it, I think you're starting to see the, the, the kind of the inevitable conclusion of that trade coming through now where they, you know, people ask more questions about their financing. I mean, particularly uh, one name that gets mentioned a lot at the moment is Noble Group in Singapore, which, uh, you know, some people suggest is the canary in the coal mine for the commodities sector, you know, and could be an early precursor of what might happen to Glencore if things start to go dramatically wrong for it. We mentioned the the copper there and and the wrong way bet, but is there, to some extent, perhaps a a vision that the price of gold and the rising price of oil is somehow going to come to the rescue of all the other if you like, sort of more essential raw materials that are used in construction. I mean, this is a punt, basically. On, on whose behalf? On, the, on behalf of the companies. Mm-hmm. You know, that they, they think that they can make up the shortfall with the rising, with gold, make it down well, turmoil. Well, well, I think that this, there, there's certainly a sigh of relief that's almost audible from, from, from mining and resources chief executives over the last, over 2016, really, because... When the Chinese arrived with the with the with the stimulus, um, that led to a, a big step up in in or a recovery in or a rebound really in, in 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 most of the sort of China dependent commodities, with the possible exception of copper, and on on oil really more a, a question of you know the sort of the supply outages rather than a China story. So you know um, the sort of the, the Canadian fire, the the, the Nigerian militants, etc., that that has maybe lifted the the oil price a little bit. So things aren't as desperate as they looked in early 2016. The the oil price for Glencore specifically isn't actually such such a big deal. The the, the question the, the the big deal for them really is the the relation of um of, of near dated futures for oil and, and, and the, 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 the the longer dated futures for oil, the what they call the um, the futures curve 
if they have a tailwind there, it basically means they can stick the oil somewhere and 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 lock in a, a, a riskless profit, and they love that. A few months ago, that was that you know that that market was like shooting fish in a barrel for the likes of of uh, Glencore and Trafficker and all and Vital. At the moment, it's 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 a little bit tougher to make money that way, and we might see a little bit of that in the in the results. But looking out, Harry, to to the end of the year, still volatile times then, presumably for these these trading companies, these particular in in, in the resources sector. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, as Marcus uh, says, it's it's really a lot of this comes down to China and what your fundamental belief is on uh, the Chinese economy. If you believe the the official statistics, then basically you should have nothing really to worry about. It will be a slow, steady, uh, steadying of growth around I think sort of six point nine percent going, maybe uh, somewhere mid six. If you believe other sources of information, uh, some of the uh, forecasts of some even of the larger uh, banks out there, then actually Chinese real growth rates are somewhere probably down about two, three percent. And on that basis, then commodity prices would be would be on a very different place to where they would uh, where where they are at the moment. The, the composition of that Chinese growth is an important factor. So as the Chinese economy, it's already you know last year it, it rebalanced away from the kind of stuff you can drop on your foot towards the. the consumer sector and services quicker than anybody expected and that obviously has implications for anybody that's selling from raw materials. All right well we'll leave that there for the moment. Now accountants, lawyers and consultants they're up in arms again apparently about some plans released by the government to clamp down on what's seen as aggressive tax avoidance. Here's a clip from the House of Commons speaker John Burke in a debate last year about tax evasion or is it tax avoidance? I'm not sure. Uh, I do wish to be pedantic, simply accurate. I think the, the wording of the UQ was avoidance. The tax avoidance scandal. Know the difference. That's John Burker, the Speaker of the Commons. There. Harry, there is a lot of sound and fury directed at, at what's happened in the past, but it's so often, isn't it, with these schemes, we find that they close a loophole and already the, the people they're planning to hit have moved on and found another wheeze. So is this any different this time? Uh, more than likely, probably not. It's... Uh, a well-known fact these days that the UK has the longest tax code in the world. I think it's something in the order of 30,000 pages, which makes uh, War and Peace look like a sort of a Sunday pamphlet. And when you have a tax code that long, it inevitably gives rise to lots of lots of loopholes, uh, which is why the UK has a very well-funded, very large tax industry, uh, which is dotted across banks, accountants, lawyers, who all help their customers uh, try and pay as little tax as possible. Obviously, when we get to a distinction which was picked up in the debate there between evasion and avoidance. Now, obviously, evasion is uh, illegal, and if you do that, you can go to jail and uh, all sorts of other nasty things, and avoidance is perfectly legal. What we have, though, is this grey area called aggressive tax avoidance, which is basically the idea that someone has gone against the spirit of the law. So this is when you have, say, for instance, a complex set of loans that is uh, set up purely with the intention that the company or individual in question avoids a bunch of tax. Now, this is what the government's going after. What they're essentially saying is, if we, if you set up, market one of these schemes, and we decide to challenge you in a court, and the court finds that this is actually evasion, then you are liable, not just for the tax, but the advisors themselves become liable for the total amount of tax that was uh, essentially avoided. So, 
This is quite a major step up. The, I imagine the problem around this could be whether it actually proves to be legal. It's one thing to say you want to do this to someone. It's another thing in practice to actually get a court to agree that actually, you know what, what they did was knowingly uh, criminal or, uh, and they knew that what they were doing was evasion and therefore they are liable for this total amount of money. You've already got some tax consultants saying, well, this is a bit one-sided, isn't it? I mean, does this also mean that the government uh, should be actually rewarding tax advisors where they come up with a structure that means a company that would have paid too much tax now pays uh, uh, less because actually what they've helped them do is pay their legal amount of tax. Well, obviously the law's not going to work that way, but uh, it, it does kind of beg those strange questions. So is it, it does, Britain, was this, do you think, headline grabbing as opposed to anything of substance or, as you say, it, it is a ratcheting up, isn't it? Like so much in regulation, it, it will come down to the details. What practically does this mean? What what law, you know, are they talking about new primary legislation? Here we're going to have a, a new corporate or uh, a new uh, criminal offence of criminal level tax avoidance, in which case what you're really doing is just expanding the scope of what uh, we now consider evasion. So it seems to me that there's probably a lot of uh, light and fury around this thing, but actually what we'll see in the end, I imagine, is some small tweaks to law. On the other hand, we've got Theresa May. Maybe, maybe this is her thing. Maybe she's going to go for it. She's going to do what many have uh, promised to do in the past and have never really got round to. Maybe she's going to finally destroy the entire tax-avoiding industry. And, well, good luck to her. But isn't this a bit of a disincentive to foreign companies to either come here in the first place or invest here? Well, I, I suppose... If, if, if we're saying that what we're talking about here is companies essentially flouting the law as it stands, if we're saying that we're going to make it harder to flout the law, I don't quite see how, how that would, would have make companies avoid investing here. On the other hand, if it, I think Dom's certainly got a point there, which is essentially if, if what you're talking about is the tax code becomes even more uncertain than it is today and companies aren't going to have certainty about, you know, they make a certain amount of revenues, they pay what they think is a legal amount of tax, what their advisors say is a legal amount of tax, and then suddenly the law changes and actually they find themselves criminally liable. Yeah, I think that would certainly have some impact on investment if people feel that it, the UK is a less secure, more uncertain place to invest. Well, lots to think about there. We're going to take a short break now and when we return, we'll be taking a trip to the bookies. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 2016 has been branded the year of the SME. This is your year. Time for your business to stand out. Are you ready? Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insight and analysis your business needs to make this your year. Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk. Dominic Walsh, our leisure correspondent. This three-way bet between William Hill 888 and Rankers, I mean, it's certainly been occupying the headlines, but there's a lot more going on, isn't there? I mean, apart from anything else, we're going to be hearing from Paddy Power Betfair. It was one of their ads we played earlier, in case you hadn't guessed. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the, the whole gambling space is very interesting at the moment. I mean, the last sort of year or two, there's been a lot of consolidation in the sector. What has happened is you've seen the, the, whole, the whole sort of gambling sector has been hit by lots of tax, lots of regulation, and basically companies are huddling together for warmth, basically. They're, sort of, they're saving money, they're sort of cutting costs, and they're helping each other out on regulation. So it's all about synergies, the horrible word of synergies. In this, in this William Hill deal, Rank and Triple Eight are predicting £100 million of synergies, which is quite a lot. You're almost making me feel sorry for these bookies all huddled together against the battering from tax and regulation. I thought there was no such thing as a poor bookie, but clearly there is, is there? Well, they're not making as much money as they used to because they are literally giving away so much of their profits to the, to the, to the tax revenue. So, the, uh, as I say, this is why we're seeing William Hill being assaulted by 
rank in AAA. I mean, part of the problem for William Hill is it, it's, it's had a lot of trouble with its online business, so it hasn't run it very well. The, the, the CEO, James Henson, was sacked. As a result, the company was seen as vulnerable to a bid, and rank in AAA did the honours. One thing I'm, I was quite interested in, I've always thought of Paddy Power, um, now it's a big-sized company, Paddy Power, Betfair. Those ads, is there any evidence that they actually do add to shareholder value at the bottom line in terms of profile or the fact that people just quite like their quirky ways? I have to add, some of the ads have been banned on the grounds of taste. Mm. Well, Paddy Power has always been one of the sort of smaller players in the past. I mean, obviously now it's part of a FTSE 100 company with Betfair. But, I mean, it wouldn't have got there without the success it's enjoyed, partly on the back of those ads. I mean, people like that. Gambling is fun. I mean, although there are some people who have a bit of a problem with gambling and, and the government's obviously done a lot to clamp down on that, most people, the vast majority of people, 95% of people in this country, just enjoy a gamble for a bit of fun. And fun is what it's all about. And so Paddy Power, if it makes you laugh, it might make you bet, bet on the company as well. Yeah. Marcus, are you, are you a betting man at all? Occasionally. I, I actually use um, Betfair on the grounds. Your point earlier that you never see a, a, a per. Uh, Bucky, or at least until recently, and at least with Betfair, you can you can delude yourself that you're betting against other mugs on the exchange rather than the uh, the sports book. But but I, I was kind of interested, really, in what you know how much of this is driven by online as well. That is this a little bit like what we've already seen happen in retail, where you've got better price transparency. You can tell what you know how much from your phone, how much Tesco charge for. Heinz baked beans versus Asda. Now you can, you know, we've all seen the, the ludicrous, generous offers that they throw at customers, you know, new customers every time the Grand National rolls around. You know, is it is it just a less unforgiving terrain nowadays for, for bookmakers because of that, you know, that relentless uh, transparency on, on odds? And uh, Absolutely, Marcus, you're absolutely spot on. It's, it's, you can't offer bad odds and expect to get any punters you know, mug enough to give you the, your money. I mean, although some of the betting shops will, will rely on their local punters who are not particularly fussed about, you know, so long as they, they think they're getting reasonably decent odds, they're not going to sort of go, go out on a leg and, and go online to sort of get better odds by a sort of small percentage point or something. But, I mean, no, you're absolutely right. And this is why the, the, the big bookmakers, the big gambling companies are all getting, getting together with online and, and offering omni-channel, it's called. So they offer everything online, um, on, on iPad, and then and the bookmakers as well. And you can actually go into bookmakers and you, actually, you can actually bet online in the bookmakers as well. So it's all coming together. Harry, what do you think about it all? I mean, it's, it, it just looks like the old story of so many industries at the moment, which are essentially being... Uh, gutted by technology and uh, it seems like gambling is no different for those um, you know if you look at the banks they've got the expensive branch network and along come younger hungrier competitors who have none of the f- physical infrastructure to pay for so I guess in many ways it's, it's, it's say, it must be the same for, for uh, the bookies with their you know large branch networks which I imagine are or store networks which I imagine are quite expensive to run and probably not making as much as they used to well let's just hope nothing happens on a similar elk with the media <laughs> What's a happy note to end on? An amen to that, Marcus, I'll tell you that. Well, that's about all we've got time for now. But remember, keep up to date with all the events we've covered and talked about, as well as all the breaking news and analysis online via your mobile or tablet and, of course, in the paper every day. If you are a Times subscriber, don't forget to take the opportunity to sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime business emails. Uh, and if you don't have a subscription, go to thetimes.co.uk where you'll get a special offer of £1. And if you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. My sincere thanks to Harry Wilson, Dominic Walsh and Mark. Marcus LaRue. They're on Twitter, so you know what to do. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.